0: Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. My guest today is a life coach and the author of the book, The Power of Me, Becoming Your Own Superhero. Mr. Reese McNeil, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, man. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, I I see your page. um, We actually got a couple mutual friends I got linked up from your page through a friend of ours. His name is um, Mike, Mike Walton. The Man Initiative, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I love Big Mike. Yeah, oh, yeah. He he um he was following you, so I, you know we. I think we actually interacted a couple times before I started following. Him. So I was like, this is an interesting, brother. I'll give him a follow. <laughs> I appreciate it.
1: <laughs>
0: Definitely appreciate it. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna start from the beginning. Um, I went on your website, and. You mentioned your parents were addicted to drugs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that's a tough thing. I wanted you to describe like what that did to you and your upbringing. It was um,
1: it was it was funny. So looking back, at the time it was just it was just kind of normal. Unfortunately, like a lot of things we experience. Um, but at the time it was normal, I should say. But looking back, I'm like, wow it was it was rough when crack first came out hit the streets um i'm in the middle of north philly Um, my mom got caught up in that and she never recovered struggled with that for the rest of her life um um, she's deceased but she struggled with she was in and out that it had it had her in 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 its grips for years for a couple decades um so that was her in North Philly running around doing that. My dad was in another part of the city. He was a heroin addict. Um and that left me kind of figuring a lot of things out on my own. Um I did have uh I did have family. I had my grandmother. She was sick, so I had a I had somewhere to stay, but as far as figuring out life, figuring out the world, I had to um literally figure things out on my own. Um And uh, it really did, I wasn't really equipped for, I wasn't equipped for life. And I went through a lot of bumps and bruises just because I just wasn't equipped. And I was exposed to a lot as well. My house was the crack house for a long time before it got bad enough to where I couldn't even stay with my mom anymore. Mm. So I was exposed to a lot of, uh, I saw a lot. I heard a lot. Um, If you can imagine a house in the hood with the little bedroom with the, with the adjoining door. So Man. it's just two little rooms and the things that were going on in the room right next to me when I was supposed to be sleeping and preparing to go to school tomorrow, I wouldn't wish on, I wouldn't wish on, on an enemy. Wow. And this is me at, you know, nine, 10 years old, having to absorb all of that and then go be quote unquote normal. So it was, it was rough for sure.
0: So you said, you said your dad was on heroin mm-hmm. and your mom was on crack. Yes! Wow, man. Yeah, sorry no, to hear about your mom passing. By the way, too. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very your, much. Your dad is he still alive?
1: He's fighting. And um, uh, the irony of the timing of this uh, conversation you and I are having, my dad is actually um, in a facility right now. He he had a he had a drug overdose, which caused a massive stroke about mm. about two months ago now. So he's in a facility. You know, can't speak, can't move. He's trying to get his, you know, trying to get his brain activity back. Not looking good at all. Damn, sorry to hear yeah. that. And this is, yeah, right, exactly. And I mean, my dad is uh, 64 and just had a drug overdose. So that kind of paints a picture for Yes, my dad's 64 years old.
0: So yeah, a young man.
1: Right, exactly. So, yeah, so he's fighting right now and been fighting <laughs> all my life.
0: Wow. Now you talked about, cause again, I'm getting all this from your website. You talked about being abandoned at a young mm-hmm. age. I wanted you to elaborate more on that. Absolutely. So just, just start,
1: just my parents obviously start there. So I'm my mom's only child and my dad's oldest. And so my dad was, you know, he, he was, he was never in the picture. Um, he kind of popped in and out. Yeah, sporadically throughout my childhood. We never really had a relationship. Um my mom and I were very close. I was her only child. And um but of course like I said she though you know the drugs had her gripped. So I was left to fend for myself a lot. Um she, you know she would vanish. Uh you know neighbors would kind of look in on me but I was kind it was kind of just me. Um
0: hey, you and were then, nine or ten
1: I was, I was, I was, I was young. I was probably, I remember, I remember reading, uh, I remember reading Super Fudge and Tales of a Fourth Grade. Nothing, man, being home alone for two and three days at a time.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, no electricity, have candles in the house. Uh, yeah, the neighbors, we had some neighbors, God bless them, whatever they have right now. They would give me their table scraps. Literally, the lady would tap on the door and give me her table scraps and I would eat. Um, you know, no one ever called anybody, but I would be there, you know, you know, a day or two, three days, sometimes at a time to the point where sometimes I would go walk to my grandmother's house, which is other side of town, but I would go walk or I would go hop on the sub and you know, we got the, 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 the subway train in Philly. I would go hop on the sub, catch it down to hunting park and go to my grandmother's house.
0: So was there a reason that they just didn't your grandmother just didn't take you in or I don't think she knew how bad it
1: was. Um so and I never really expressed how bad it was. I just would, you know, yeah, you know, I was my mom's only child, and I think obviously this is me looking back now. I think I was trying to cover for her. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't make a big fuss of things. Um, I would just basically say, you know, I want to be here. I'd rather be here. Um, and so, you know, not that, not that uh, they were blind to, to my mom's struggles, but they, they, don't, they couldn't have known the extent of it. They couldn't have. I, I have to believe that they didn't know. They did, I have to believe they didn't leave me in that predicament. Um, you know, my mom was a fast talker you know professional vasser so who knows the story she was telling and i was such a i was such a small child and it was only me so uh, you know but it got to the point where i was uh, 11 when i i stayed uh, at my grandmother's permanently and my mom i mean she was she had she was homeless and like i wouldn't see her for months and months at a time and she would just randomly pop up looking like death I'm just gonna mm. be honest. Like, remember Night of the Living Bass Heads? Remember that yeah. video? Remember how that looked? That's literally Ugh. what yeah. It was time it was a couple of times I saw her and I would just melt it down in tears as an adult. Like she struggled for the longest time. But it was yeah, it was rough. It was rough as a kid, man. Rough.
0: What was it like when you moved with your grandmother? So when I moved there with my,
1: at my grandmother's house, I mean, you know, we was still in the middle of it, still in the hood. So it was her and my aunt that lived there, and I had a, a few uncles, and they would, they didn't live there per se, but it was like uh, when they needed a break from their girlfriend or their wives, <laughs> they would be in and out of there. So, you know, one uncle would be there about a month, another uncle would be there a couple weeks, another uncle, he just bring his, you know, side pieces there and then slide off. So that's kind of what I saw. Um, uh, you know, I didn't have a room. I slept. We had that plastic on the couch, so in the living <laughs> room, right in, on the floor in front of the couch, between the couch and that little table, that was that was my that was my space,
0: man. So yeah, that was my space. What did like? What did the, This had to have an effect on your your self esteem and just your overall well being as a child. It it definitely did, but of course,
1: you don't know what you don't know. And uh, it's not like I was in a, a really healthy environment where it would have made a huge difference. Um, so I just kind of coasted along. Um, I was re- I, I was really good in sports. So that helped, um, you know, keep that helped keep me busy. And then, you know, once I got, you know, once I got a certain age and kind of figured out how the streets worked and I, I just started dipping and dabbing and then I got pulled in myself and started hustling and running the streets and just doing what little boys in the middle of the hood did. Mm. So it had, it had a huge impact, but it didn't, it didn't really show up or it didn't really show up. I would say, or sh- no, I don't want to say show up. I didn't recognize it until later, later, much, much later in life, how much that impacted me. I'll say it like that. So looking back, how did it impact you? So I don't, I wasn't equipped to deal, to just deal with life. And so my reality was so messed up that I created another reality in my head to escape. So literally I could kind of just, I could just kind of zone out and really go in my head. So I didn't have to hear what I had to hear in the next room. So I could make some sense of what was going on. And then, then that carried me into my teenage years. And then It kept me from connecting with people. Um, Girls were always easy, but making friends, if it wasn't really for sports, didn't really have, you know, many connections. Um, Never was able to really connect with and trust people. Even down to females, that was always a struggle because it was like, well, if my mom, like, if my mom couldn't do it, who are you? Like, how could you? you, you know, so, um, you know, so, so relationships struggle. My self-esteem was, it, it never, it was never built. It was, it was really unhealthy. Um, my self-esteem, I found it in sports, then I found it in girls, then I found it in money. Um, and then later on, I found it in a uh, relationship and it, it was never about me. It was always about what I could do or how I could show up or what void I could fill. I never really got to know myself. I never, I never considered myself at all, and it impacted
0: everything in my life. Mm. I'm gonna move forward because this was mm-hmm. something very important. You mentioned that you got a, you were married for 19 years, and then you got a divorce. Yep, and that's, so, that's that's a lot of time to invest. <laughs> it is. It is. So
1: it it was a. Uh, Started very very young, obviously. Um,
0: my ex, we
1: grew up in the same neighborhood. Her her experience was uh, very different than mine. We were in the same neighborhood, but we weren't. You know, she had both parents. They were or are amazing, amazing people. They were the Huxtables essentially. You know what I mean? To us, they were that. That was that family we all looked up to. And so, you know, when I came of age and she and I got together. Um, or when we, we reconnected, I think I was 18 and, um, she had a baby at the time and it was just like, all right, we're going to do this. And basically, again, me not having any concept of, you know, how the world works and what it means to be responsible or anything like that. We had a conversation and it was like, well, uh, you know, she made some suggestions. Next thing I know I'm in the army. And then the recruiter is like, uh, you know, you get more money when you're married and blah, blah, blah. And then we came up with this, with this dream that we're going to get married and I'm going to go in the military and we're going to live this amazing life. Well, we got married. I went in the army, but uh, (laughs) it it, it didn't go so well. (laughs) Um, You know, we spent some time in Texas and I mean, I was, I, at this time, I think I had just turned 20 or 21 and. Completely immature and out of my mind, you know, treating her terribly. She went back to the city and I ripped and ran for a minute. Then I uh, left the military, came home. We got back together and we were in and out, in and out. Had a couple children and then that, then we got a little older and decided to try to figure it out. We matured a little bit and then we pushed through. Uh, her parents were or are leaders in the church and so I got into the church really heavy with her and her family um to the point where i became I became associate pastor, we were leading the church for many, many years and then fast forward, we leave philly, we move to delaware, we start the church, everything is going good in delaware
0: you minute, you started, started your own church
1: yeah, so basically, so under her dad you know we we started a church, so we were the pastors of the church, oh wow, and then we decided that we were going to move to North Carolina. So, you know, we pick up, move to North Carolina. We start the church in North Carolina. Things are going well. Um, I'm planning my 20th wedding anniversary. And then I get a message that, uh, you know, I'm done.
0: Whoa. Like,
1: like, excuse me. Like, I, I thought... I thought it was for someone else. I thought it was about someone in the church that we need to in- intervene on <laughs> on their behalf. Mm-hmm. I-, I didn't know it was us. So, you know, fast forward, we conf- I confirmed that that was the real deal. That was it. And so next thing you know, I went from, you know, trying to figure out what I was going to do for this 20th anniversary, which was coming up to... um. Having to find an apartment and going from being surrounded by family, surrounded by the church, surrounded by people, to being literally all alone in a little apartment. Just trying to just like
0: looking around, staring at the walls, trying to figure out who
1: I am, where I'm at. Like, how the hell did I get here?
0: So, you, I mean, you said, I mean, of course, you said in the beginning it was a little rocky. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like, you know, after some years, it seemed like y'all had things stable there was
1: stability but it was a seesaw right mm-hmm. she would be the one I would be tripping then I would try to figure it out then she would have her moment and so uh you know it just was it was up down up down and then you know it was the writing was on the wall you know things were kind of and then you know she and i apply I'm, I'm grateful now looking back that she went ahead and you know went ahead and said it and pulled the trigger because we were both, we were both unhappy. We were making it work. You know, we had a lot invested. We had the time, we had the children, we had the church, we had a lot of responsibilities. We had a lot invested, but, uh, it was time and, uh, I have zero regret. Um, you know, she and I are great. We have a great relationship. It was, it was the best thing that got happened for both of us. Honestly, we learned our lessons, you know, we, we, uh, we got beat down a bit. Um, I lost major in that whole situation. Mm. And that's a, that's where the event that's where the abandonment revisited big time. It was always an issue, and then I was over it, and then it came back because everyone vanished, literally everyone, except for my children. Everyone was gone. The family, the church, everybody was just gone.
0: So what happened to amazing. the church?
1: You lost the church? The church, well, I mean, the church was, you know, the church folded, she didn't want to do it anymore. Of course, I was. I I had to step away because it was her family, you know. It was uh, under her family's, you know, under their umbrella. So I stepped away. People vanished. I mean, when that happened, zero people. I got not even one call, not one text, not are you alive? Nothing. Literally nothing. No one. Damn. I was crushed. My heart was broken. But that's when I went on a search, and thankfully, like. I took my life seriously, and so I, I knew what I knew where to start with trying to figure things out, and literally, I, I had a moment. I just was like, you know what? Like, I heard it as clear as I can hear you speaking in this conversation. Like, what would you tell someone in this situation? And I really had to kind of take a step outside of myself and talk myself through, okay, what's next? What's going to happen? All right, this is the situation, but now what? and I I began a search, and I began to read and study, and I came across an article that someone had written about uh, self-esteem, and about what unhealthy self-esteem looks like, and when I read it, I thought they were just, I thought, I literally thought they were just talking about me, and it really hit me in so many ways, and it forced me to start looking deeper, and deeper, and then I started reading books, and studying, and really learning everything I could possibly learn about self-esteem and everything I was studying, which I was learning like, wow, this, I, my self-esteem has been unhealthy my whole life. And now I can see why I was moving the way I was moving, why I was making the decisions that I was making, why I ended up in the, in the places that I ended up in, why I felt the way that I felt like I learned so much. Like I literally went on a mission and
0: I, I'm saying went like it's past tense. I've been on that mission. It's been four years. I'm gonna back up a little bit because I, I want to touch on something that that's really important. Because you had so many abandonment issues, and you mentioned that the marriage always was like up and down. Where you do you feel like you were trying to save it because you wanted that family you never had? I don't think so. I believe that um, I loved her. I
1: loved her family, but I believe I never, I never had. That never occurred to me. I'll say it like that. Honestly, that never occurred to me. Was that did that exist under there somewhere? I'm sure there was a longing somewhere, but it never it was never a conscious thing. It was never like, man, I'm, I'm I wanna make this work because because we had our in and outs. And I and I picked up and left and she we we had our in and outs and it, it never that was never a deciding thing. But when I lost it, it crushed me. So do I think that was what was kind of keeping me in there? Possibly, but not consciously, Okay, if that makes sense. So is it possible? Of course. But was it conscious? Was it me literally saying like, man, if I lose her, I lose everything or everybody? No, it wasn't
0: a conscious thing. Okay. How long did it take you to, because I mean, man, look, 19, I've been married 17 years, so I can't even. (laughs) <laughs> Imagine after investing all that time and energy into one person and it's mm-hmm. gone like over a message. So how long did it take you to make that first step to kind of like start regrouping and finding a new life for yourself? You know what? I didn't I didn't have
1: a choice, right? I was literally I was alone and thankfully I had built a foundation. I had learned how to study. I had learned how to research and figure things out. And I was, I was, you know, was always, not always, but I had started to enjoy learning. So my son at the time, he was 10, just turned 10. And so I didn't have, I honestly didn't have time to go into a dark place because. You know, I had to go get my son, you know, he's still texting. He want to go to the movies. He want to hang out and this is this. So I didn't have, I I didn't have time to even slow down. And I had to figure this thing out. And at the time I was a lot of, I was the go-to guy for a lot of people. So it was in me, but it's like when you, when it's, when it's you going through it. And then I'm like, okay, I learned quickly that, okay, I had to figure out or oh, I had to I had to tell myself, okay, this is the situation. I had to accept what it was. This is where I'm at. This happened. This didn't happen. Whatever we, it listen, how we got here, is it relevant at this point? And I made a decision. I said, okay, this is what it is. So once I accepted it, I was able to start working from where I was. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have that time where I was like, Going through the guild and wondering what is like, I made peace with the facts. I made peace with the fact that it was over. I made peace with the fact that the family was gone. I made peace with the fact that I made peace with the fact that I was here. I had to figure this out, and so my again, I was on a mission. So I was reading, I was studying, I was listening, I was soaking up everything I could possible, everything I could about the self about self-esteem about um about self-image and i was like wow like i was learning like man the person i see in the mirror is just like i I see no value in that person and i said well how do i how do, do so what do i do like i'm not okay with that so i began to work on me and you know people say that all the time but i literally four years now i've been literally on a mission daily, hours a day, really just learning about everything I study is about self-esteem essentially. Um, and I went, I just went on a mission. So I didn't really have time. I, I, didn't, I didn't let myself stay down. I, I got a little bit down and my son texted me and said he wanted to go to the movies. It wasn't even the day I was supposed to pick him up. And that snapped me out of it because I, I was like, sure. I went and picked them up. We went to the movies, had a good time, and that was kind of like I can't. I can't go dark. I can't.
0: Mm. So, did you have any? Did you have anybody you could talk to or lean on at that point in your life? No, no. I, I I had one gentleman who ended up reaching out
1: to me. He wasn't even. We had a good relationship, but it was like when I see you. It was basically another church that we used to kind of get together and fellowship with, and he randomly he just said you. I popped in his head and he called me, he just randomly called me out the blue. This was made, this was maybe, maybe two weeks in to my, to that, to the separation. And when he told me that I just broke down crying and we had, and we had a couple conversations and we talked daily, um, for a minute, but that was it. No, no one else. So it was rough. At, he was uh, he was in Philly. I was in North Carolina. So I was literally just figuring it out.
0: At, at any point, did you just feel like saying, "You know what? I'm done. I'm I'm just gonna give it up." Never. Wow. Never. And
1: I, so, because of my experiences in the church, you know, leading people, like I was responsible for the men's ministry. I was her dad's right hand. You know. I was in there. I was I was the efficient, you know, the person who or keeps the service going. I was the one who started the service and kept the service going. Like I was heavy and I took it serious. I said I I counseled couples, I counseled people, I did work with parents and teens, like everything you could possibly think of, I did it. So I was equipped to do it, but I just had to be patient X myself. You know what I mean? I literally had to. I had to look within and apply all, these, all those things to myself. And I kept telling myself, what would you tell someone in this situation? What would you tell someone? And I couldn't let myself go. I had that 10-year-old boy. And then I had my older sons who were pissed. They was trying to deal with it a whole different way. So now I had to deal with I had to keep them calm and straight. And, and so it was like I, I still had responsibilities, so I couldn't. I'm, I mean, I'm raising boys. I had three boys. So I, I
0: couldn't. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't. People tell themselves that all the time, and I'm glad that you was able to keep it together. But is there something you, you can point to that just that kept let you keep it together? Hmm.
1: So I, I definitely, I have to say my relationship with God and my belief that, my belief that, my belief in transformation, I'll say it like that. My belief that people can start one way, that people can change, that people can grow. Like I, I had to believe that because I, can, I was fresh off the streets, went into the church, found something that connected to me and totally changed my life. So, I saw myself transformed, and I was a part of the process for a lot of people. so I believed in transformation, you know my relationship with God was there, and all of my like it was I was by myself and so i had I had a choice to make now, the children were there, and that was a big deal because I know they were watching, and so that really helped. So there, there were a few, a, few little, a few things in place. Now, I was down here in North Carolina by myself. Had I been in the city and could get to my homies that's still kind of running the streets and living a different way, <laughs> that could have changed things. You know what I mean? Because it would have been easy to say, where y'all at, what y'all doing, and got into a different mix. But I was just going to work and reading, going to work and studying, going to work, hanging out with my son, dropping back off, face back in a book listening to listening to an audio book or just writing out my thoughts and just really just like, you know what? No, I can do this. If anybody, people can transform. I can. So that means I can transform. I can survive this. I'm not going to let this beat me.
0: I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to, it's going to be a somewhat tough question, but I think you can answer The man you are today after reading and doing all this self work, do you think the man you are today could have managed? Because it takes two people to make a marriage work, let's be clear. Of course, of course. But mm-hmm. the man you are today, do you think you could have made that marriage work back then as the man you are today? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of immaturity,
1: poor self-esteem. I mean, I don't even have to go any further. That's a, that's a, that's a deadly cocktail right there. When you don't have a sense of who you are and where you're going, and my ex is strong. You know, strong will, very intelligent, you know, and when you don't, I, I, you know, when you turn into a yes man and when you literally don't have an opinion and you literally surrender all sense of who you are, you, you can't win. And, you know, I, I've since apologized to her because, like, what kind of, like, how was I showing up? So, uh, t- Absolutely. Absolutely. Or, or I would have had the insight to say, you know, that we're going in two different directions, you know, I would have, you know what I mean? So I would have either figured it out because I have it in me to figure out and I would have made the necessary adjustments. Or if it was, if we got past, if we were past that point, then, you know, I would have just made the, the decision that I need, needed to make, but I would have showed up totally different. So it would have had a totally different impact on the on
0: relationship. Years have passed since since you both um divorced. Um mm-hmm. from that date to now, where does your where does the children stand? Where are they at today? Like how are they mentally they they are great because that their mom is happy, I'm happy.
1: Um we we always uh did our best to co-parent. Um, you know, and and like there was not like bad blood, you, you know what I mean? It was, you know, it, it was kind of ugly and 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 some feelings were hurt, but it never got too crazy. It never really got crazy. Um it never really got ugly. Um so, you know, we 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 protected them. And then it's it's great because they have a great relationship with her. They have a great relationship with me. We work together. Um and it's it's totally fine. So they're good. Um, of course, in the beginning, it's rough because they they think they have to pick a side. You know what I mean? So they don't know how to navigate through that. So we had to work through that with them. But thankfully, thankfully, they're good. I mean, you know, there's always going to be, you know, uh, an awkward moment once in a while. But nothing, nothing we don't just laugh at because it's just a part of life. You know what I mean? So <laughs> thankfully, we dodged the bullet there. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was hurt. There was, some, there was some pain in the beginning. Um, and that was, a, that was another reason why I had to, I couldn't fold. Because at the time, you know, my children were 10 and I guess like maybe 18 and 20 or something like that. Okay. So I couldn't fold. You know, young men, I, yeah. I couldn't fold.
0: So, so even of, if I, I wanted became, to fold. They, they basically became your motivation to keep going.
1: That, a big part of it yeah, they were a big part of it, you know, a, a huge part of it. And I just, I just knew, I just believed in, I just believed in people. Like, I believe that people can change. I just, but that was, that was a part of what, you know, what pushed, drove me so hard, even in the church, to want to give and serve and help people, because I just believed that people can change. Like, Get some new information and some new insight, and if you really want to change, you—I I believe that. Like, I literally believe that. So I had to believe that for myself, and so I'm like, okay, even in this ugly situation, I had been through worse. Yes, I was hurt, but my life was always kind of crazy. So, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? I had been, I had been, I had been through a lot of ugly stuff. Yeah. So, you know, not that that made it easier, but I had perspective. And then I had these boys and then I had that belief in, in, in the human spirit. And so there was, there were a few things working, you know, working in my favor. And I chose to always focus on what was going to move me forward. I could have focused on everybody. everybody. I, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Couldn't focus on those things. I had to focus on what was going to move me forward. What's going to move me forward you know, lifting myself up, encouraging myself, figuring out these things, being a good example to the children, keep helping to keep them straight, helping to guide them through this process because they don't know what to do. They're angry. They're upset. They're not sure what they're supposed to do. So I had to talk them through it, you know? So there were a lot of things that I had to do that really helped me stay sane and helped me get through it. But I had perspective. That's a big thing, having perspective.
0: Now, all this in your life that has gone on has led you on a journey to become a life coach. I <laughs> so, wanted you to go mm-hmm. into that. Absolutely. So, it kind of just, that kind of just happened because I just wanted to help people. Because you know when what? I I'm, I'm going to stop you for one second because I think mm-hmm. this is something I should have led with because you are a life coach. But I think people want a clear definition what is a life coach so i can speak for me so
1: what i do and i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you the why and it'll make more sense when i went through that experience and discovered that i had really really poor self-esteem and it was the reason why it made sense of my life like when I understood that I had poor self-esteem, it made sense of so much. And I'm like, wow, like really literally the light bulbs uh, lit up. So I said, wow, this can't, I can't be the only one going through this. And so as I'm reading, as I'm learning, as I'm studying, as I'm growing, what clicked for me was foundation and fundamentals. You know, I'm an athlete, so we, we think fundamentals, right? There are basics that, uh, that are applicable anywhere. Whether it's you know the five year olds, whether it's you know the NBA, a bounce pass is just a bounce pass. Like you have to know that in order to function. So in life, there are there are principles, there are found, there are foundations that have, there are things that we have to have in order to survive whatever storms life throw at us. So that was one of the things that I learned, and I'm like, okay, these things that I'm learning now, these things. These things are applicable wherever. So it's like, okay, hmm. And so every time I'm, in, I'm dealing with a challenge, I have something, I have a, a, a principle that I can go to that helps me through that challenge. And I'm like, wow, okay, hmm. So when you talk about coaching, what, what happened for me was dots started connecting. Things started to make sense. And I I began to understand where I was, how I got there, and now what's next for me and how to create what I want next through my decisions, okay? What impacts my decisions, the things that I focus on, what impacts my focus? And so I, I learned these things and I began to just communicate them out loud because I knew I wasn't the only one. I began to connect with people and I would just kind of share my insights and it started to draw people in and people would come to me with questions and things of that nature. I would share and I used to do uh, workshops. They used to call them boot camps. I used to just pour these lessons out, teach these pillars of self-esteem and just share this information. And it turned into, Hey, I'd like you to work with me. Hey, can you come and speak? Hey, can you? And so the coaching kind of just, It just happened because I knew that I wasn't the only one going through this. So I said all that to kind of your question about what is a life coach? Really, a coach is someone who holds up the mirror so that you can see yourself. Right? And helps you to connect the dots and really kind of helps you, t- helps provide different perspective, gives you, asks you certain questions so you can sort through some things in your head, you know, give, helps you craft a plan. And everyone kind of moves different. For me, I teach fundamental principles that help you in anything that you're doing in, in your relationship, in your business, just in life, period, how you show up. And so I teach principles. Because I live by principles, um, I teach the found, I teach you how to build that foundation. I teach you how to change your perspective. You know, I teach people how to take in information and use everything for their benefit. So those are the things that I teach. Those are the things that, and that's because that's what helped me transform my life. So,
0: so when you when you're doing your life coaching, mm-hmm. does it actually? Kind of give you therapy as well because you're absolutely is so open.
1: Absolutely, so that's one thing where I'm very different than a lot of people. I'm I'm an open book, super transparent, and anything that I'm sharing, I'm. Um, growing through it or i've I've experienced it you know what i mean i'm you know i might be one step in front of you or one chapter in front of you and i'm reaching back to help people so i'm super open and transparent and yes so when i'm talking through a situation with someone dots are connecting for me (laughs) when i'm asking people questions i'm going through the process as well so it's absolutely therapeutic for me
0: absolutely I want to give you, I want to close with a chance. I want to close Mm -hmm. with giving you a chance to reflect. Mm -hmm. What are you the most proudest about being where you at today, as opposed to the day you were when your marriage ended? The most proud. hmm, My. I
1: want to say the most proud. That's a challenging one. I mean, because my my relationship is amazing. Um, my relationships, I should say. You know, my my wife and I, my children, I'm a pop pop, my granddaughter. Like, my relationships are phenomenal. Um, hmm. I'm I'm doing the work that I love to do. The mo- I would say, my hmm. My personal growth, my strength, my stability, um, the courage that I now have. So I'm going to say my personal growth is the thing I'm most proud of because I believed that I could, like I believed that I could transform. I believed that there was a greater version of me on the inside of me. And now I'm seeing that what what I knew was possible four years, like I'm seeing the fruit of it now. Um, that's a tough one for me to answer because so many things I'm just, I'm just grateful for, but I'm going to say my personal
0: growth, my personal transformation. Man, that's great. Look, I want to thank you for being so transparent with me and the listeners. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Anytime, man. This was a pleasure. I appreciate it. For sure. Make sure Thank you. Let's make sure we tell people how they can follow you and get in touch with you. Absolutely. So uh, Instagram is uh, Reese inspires,
1: R-E-E-C-E inspires, um, Reeseinspires.com as well. Uh, if you use Facebook, it's uh, self-esteem maintenance. Um, that's the page where I share a lot of information. Um, and uh, yeah, those are the uh, those are the channels where I can be found. Um, hit me up on any one of those. Um, definitely, definitely here to serve anyone who uh needs a little assistance connecting some dots. Um I'm
0: I'm your person because I've been there, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> well again, thank you for everything and, and congratulations on your growth, man. It's it's truly a blessing to see a man overcome so much. So congratulations. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. I appreciate this a lot. This this was great. Thank you. Thank you for, for thank you for agreeing to it. Absolutely. Thank, you. Thank you everyone, for listening to the podcast. As always, I appreciate everyone's support. You all have a great day.